Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It actually felt like fall this week here in Nashville, Amy. Uh, we're not quite there yet here. It's still it's still a little warm. It's delightful. So, But it's Labor Day weekend yes. this weekend. Yes, it is. extra time off, a little time with the family. Very Football's excited. back. It I is. Mean, it, it is. It was all is in the air. Yes. What 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 else can we ask for, right? Yes. Well, my my family is happy because uh, Clemson beat Georgia Tech, and so that sends us into a good weekend already. So now we just have to see how Virginia Tech does for Drew and how Vanderbilt does for me, and I'm just going to move on after saying that. I think. Oh, I, all right. I, I I'm I feel pretty good about those. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm hopeful. Anchor down. Anchor down. We'll yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my Tigers take on a weak Georgia Southern team, so yeah. that, that shouldn't be much of a problem. But well, we'll see. It is fun when it's that time of year again, so I'm looking it forward. Is. I'm looking forward to Labor Day weekend. Yes. Uh, yes. Same here. Uh, Labor Day weekend means that we're getting close to another EC meeting. It means that we've got trustee meetings. We have actually a trustee recap this week in this week's episode. Uh, from Lifeway, who just held their trustee meeting this past week. So uh, a lot going on in the SBC now. We're uh, Seminaries are underway uh, for the fall semester. We had convocation at a couple of them this week. So it's it's that time of year, Amy. It is. Things are happening. Yes. So, And speaking of seminaries, as you consider where to get trained for ministry, know that Southern Seminary is committed to faithful preparation of men and women for a lifetime of gospel ministry in the midst of an increasingly hostile world. Through truth, God will sanctify Christ's church and his people. Consider a seminary that's trusted for a deeper, richer, and stronger understanding of God's word. Consider Southern Seminary, trusted for truth. I got a box from them this week, Amy. I that saw those boxes online. I saw yeah. those, yeah. That, that's, I got that looks like, uh, like a lot of fun. It was. It so. was. It was kind of neat. I, I, my kid brought it in. He it was on the doorstep. I didn't realize they had brought it in. And um, it was on. You know, outside. He got home from school and brings it in. He's like, "Dad, uh, what's this?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, goody, goody box." Packages are fun. So, yeah, got a couple of fun packages this week. So it was. It was good. Very good. I I got a fun package because I'm about to have a 14 year old tomorrow, and so I oh. had ordered some things that I get to give to him. Um, Did I know this that weekend. it was Drew's birthday? August 31st. It's Saturday. Okay, see, yeah, we're recording on Friday, is, so it's tomorrow. Yeah. So we're recording on Parker's birthday, my son. Oh, exciting. Who's turned 12 today. Right. Your son turns 14 tomorrow. Yes. And my daughter, Avery, turned six, or sorry, five on Sunday. Yes. So it's- They're all the, like- Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Lots. So it's the week for packages. That's wild. So you got, yes, you got some fun and yep. We got cool yeah, things it's, coming it's to our It's birthday house. week. That's right. Here at the, the Howe House. Yes. So, exciting time. So we got some news from Southern later in the show. We'll talk about them a little bit more. But we start, Amy. A story many may have just glossed over. Right. But is a very important story. Yes. We picked it. it yeah. We picked it as the top story for a reason. Yes. So. Yes. Multi-site churches will now get an SBC ID for each campus to allow for better tracking and placement of those locations. This, like you just said, this is something that could easily get glossed over. It's not, you know, a big clickbait title uh, because it's not as quickly understood. But it is a big deal because it's going to have a long-term effect. One of our growing trends is multi-site church, single church, multiple locations. But we've not really thought through 
uh, from the bigger picture, how we track congregations. Scott McConnell's in this story in Baptist Press that uh, talking about how based on the ACP, uh, we know of at least 500 multi-site campuses of churches. And so they can meet in one area of a local community and then other churches or local associations don't have any idea. So now, now multi-site, it used to be that it was sort of around the same city, but now you will have multi-site churches that are actually meeting in different cities. The Triangle here in North Carolina is a really good example because with Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, you have multi-site churches that have campuses in different areas. So now they will be given a unique SBC ID number and that lets local associations know who's in their area. So this is a really this is a, a this is a really beneficial step. Yeah. So this is very important in, in metro areas, maybe uh, where you're looking to plant churches. So say you know Brentwood Baptist, for example, right here in Nashville. Brentwood has nine, I think nine different campuses right now. Right. Maybe seven. I'm not sure. They have a lot. All right. But. If you look at a map of SBC churches in Nashville, only thing that would show up is Brentwood Baptist on Concord Road, the right. main campus. Right. The other satellite campuses aren't going to show up on a map right. of, of SBC IDs because they didn't have an SBC ID. Right. So if you were looking to plant in Spring Hill, the church at Station Hill wouldn't show up. If you were planting in Bellevue, the church of West Nashville uh, wouldn't show up if you right. or I'm sorry, that's the Bellevue location, but the West Franklin. If you wanted to plan out, plan out in West Franklin, the West Franklin location of Brentwood, which is a few hundred people, wouldn't show up. You wouldn't have that data, right? So, you know, this is just a small thing. You could say the same thing about the Summit Church there in Raleigh. Yes, uh, the different locations they've got. I mean, there's a lot of different locations for these churches, and this is important to know where they are so that we can say, oh, we do have a presence in this community and it's this campus of, you know, X church, whatever right. that may be. So one of the questions though yeah. about IDs is, does that mean each one of these campuses is going to get messengers at the annual meeting? And the answer to that is flatly no. no. Yeah. So let's talk about <laughs> what this does not mean. It does not mean that the definition changes of what a church or a church type mission is. A church, one church, no matter how many campuses, still completes only one ACP survey. It also does not impact the number of messengers that a church sends to the SBC annual meeting. That's still determined by the church as a whole. Individual campuses cannot send messengers separately. So what we're talking about specifically is an ID number that allows for tracking and better cooperative work together. It's not a definition change, not an ACP change, not a seating messengers change. So knowing what it is and what it isn't is really important, but it's also important to recognize, like we said, this is a shift that maybe the headline goes through and you just, you don't really even know what it, what it means. So you kind of pass it over, but I think this can have long-term benefit and effect. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, like you said, the messenger thing, uh, our friend Becca Stone King, she is a member at Avenue South and comes as a messenger to the annual meeting every year. Right. But she doesn't come as an Avenue South member. She comes as a Brentwood Baptist right. messenger because that's a, a satellite campus of the church. Right. So she, her church, Avenue South, isn't going to get its six or 12 or whatever messengers either. So right. she's still going to be a Brentwood messenger. 
Right. Even though she goes to a the app South but location. Now, but now it will be clear that there is a group a meeting on Twelfth Avenue yes, South yes. in the area. So so this is this is a good thing. And so they you know, we we uh, the SBC sort of navigated exactly what this means and found a way for it to help us move forward relationally. So it's good. Yes. And it's good. It's updating our data. Better data means better decisions. So that that's a good thing for us. So uh, very important news this week that some may have, you know, like we said, glossed over, missed, overlooked. But uh, that, that's a big step and a, and a positive step. And I would say a needed step as well as we uh, kind of revamp some of these definitions and some of these, uh, the way we're doing things. So good stuff. All right. On to NAM, where they held a conference this past week in Alpharetta on replanting and revitalization. Had a worship summit. Fantastic event, by the way, from everything I heard. Wasn't able to make it over there. Dr. Rainer did speak at it, though. Uh, but uh, Mark Clifton put this on, had Andrew Peterson, one of our favorites, uh, you, Amy, you and I, yeah. both uh, big fans of Andrew Peterson, had him in concert. Jared Wilson and Dr. Rayner also spoke. And at this event, they named a California pastor, Sam Calhoun, as the replanter of the year. Yeah, so this is really cool. Have they done this before? This is new, isn't I don't, it? I don't think so. I think this is the, kind of one of the... Uh, they've had a few of these replant summits. Right. But I'm not sure. Oh, no, this it is says the inaugural. 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 Yeah, Billy so that Hereford. means the first one, Amy. Yes. Not the first annual. Well done by Nam, Mike uh, Ebert over there. Inaugural, not yes. first annual. It's a good way. It's a good way. So it's not, not an annual, first annual until second. Yes, and it's named exactly. after Billy Hereford, who pastored and replanted churches across North Missouri from the 1930s through the 80s. And it has his name because he loved the local church and wanted to raise up young leaders in ministry. And they believed that Sam Calhoun uh, had that has those same qualities. And... He pastored Windsor Hills Community Church in La Mesa, California. It's now called the Hill Church and uh, has come basically just a complete turnaround in the last decade. And so really neat story. We've got the Baptist Press article in the show notes and we just congratulations to Sam Calhoun. Yeah. In the story, there's also a video that tells the church's story. It's like a a two and a half minute video. So it's at the bottom of the story. You can click down and, uh, or click and scroll down there and see the video of the story. And also it was Brandon Elrod. So he gets credit for the correct use of inaugural, not Mike Ebert. Sorry. Nicely Brandon. done. We give credit to the whole so, communications team there yeah, for that one. I mean, Mike's training them well over there, right? Yes. That, Everybody gets credit for using good words. Yes. All right. Uh, to Texas, Amy, we have a couple of uh, responses to lawsuits that have been filed on sexual abuse claims, one from the Village Church and one from Paige Patterson, former president at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah, so these are just updates in the cases. It's not the end. We will see what responses come next. Uh, first, the Southwestern case we just covered a few weeks ago when Southwestern, as an institution, made a response denying liability. In this response from Paige Patterson as an individual, he has denied the allegations of negligence, violation of privacy, and liability. So we need to make sure we split this out, that the lawsuit was against the institution and the individual. The institution has said, we are not liable. The individual is denying the allegations entirely. One thing that we need to be clear about, and this is in the story, that neither the seminary nor Patterson disputed 
the criminal action, the, the rapes that were alleged, but are disputing allegations in their dealings with the plaintiff in the process. So that's the newest update, and we will see what comes next. And then over at the Village Church, they have also uh, stated that they are not liable for damages suffered by a woman who has alleged sexual abuse at age 11 by a then youth pastor at the church. Uh, they have answered the lawsuit and filed that as well. Um, they also challenged the claim of more than $1 million in damages. So another denial here of liability, Amy, and we'll just kind of keep an eye on these. These are just in their infancy and in the legal proceedings. Right. So a lot of these going on. I mean, there's, we, we talk almost weekly, I guess, about responses to lawsuits and things from churches, from people in the SBC. So uh, as news breaks and as things happen, we will bring you updates on these stories and others. Over to Lifeway, Amy. They had trustee meeting this week. Some good news coming out of Lifeway uh, on the sales side of things. Joe Walker, the CFO in presentations to the trustees, uh, stated they've had a 6% increase in year-over-year sales through direct channels this year. So that that's a, a positive. You know, you take out the stores side of things and the other side of Lifeway is seeing growth. Yeah. So this is really good news. It seems like I saw several things on social from their trustee meeting. I saw a video on Twitter and uh, lots of excitement from people. So it seems like it was a really good week. Yeah. And one, one of the issues that or questions a lot of people have whenever Lifeway closes stores was we're going to be able to go and see books, feel books, you know, see Bible studies instead of ordering them online without ever seeing them or Bibles or things like that. Well, Lifeway has unveiled a new Lifeway authorized dealer program. It launched in June and to date they have had 277 independent bookstores set up dedicated sections of the store that contains Lifeway branded content, including for the first time Lifeway imprint Bible studies. So if you were a independent bookseller in the past, you could not sell Lifeway products for the most part, because Lifeway didn't discount those. You had to buy them at wholesale or like at retail price and then mark them up. So, I mean, there was just no way for you to make any money on it. So people didn't carry those. Lifeway now is saying, all right, we're going to authorize you as a dealer of our Lifeway content, your Beth Moore studies, your Priscilla Shire, Jen Wilkin, those kind of things. And, uh, and many more, obviously, but 277 stores signed up and they're expecting more than 300, 350 in the future. So this, I mean, if you think about the Lifeway footprint, Amy, 175 stores that they had before the, the closures. Now there are 277 stores that have Lifeway content in them, just like you used to have at the Lifeway. So the footprint has kind of expanded and, and is up in new places around the country that you may not have been able to walk into before and get Lifeway content. So uh, stronger partnerships in these channels, it's, it's beneficial for Lifeway. It's a great thing for them. And uh, some good news coming out of trustee meeting this time. Very good. Amy, we talked about it on the podcast about a month ago. Dakotas and West Virginia, both of the state executive directors, had, uh, one had retired, one was resigning to take a pastor job. In Tennessee, uh, West Virginia, Bill Hennard left and uh, took a pastor job in Athens, Tennessee. And in the Dakotas, Garvin Golden uh, announced his retirement at the end of the year. So they are both looking for executive directors. They have provided information to Baptist Press about those searches as well as deadlines. So the deadline for Dakota Baptist Convention nominations is October 9th. So you got about five, six weeks before that, October 31st for West Virginia. So about two months left on that one. 
uh, to get information and names and recommendations in for those. Uh, Amy, I'm going to recommend you for both. Uh, really, I'm just going to vote for in the Dakotas one for any whoever can get me up to a meeting when it's in North Dakota so I can get that 50th state. Well, I'm going to nominate you. So maybe I can like you can be the person. I, I'm not sure I'm wired for that. Although I guess if I'm always saying I want to live in Canada, then I should be able to handle living in the Dakotas. But there's uh, no consistency in that. But yeah, but you're you're all about the Maritimes in Canada, right? Not, that's right. Not I just like want I just want to get to North Dakota so that I can say I visited all fifty states. Maybe maybe yeah. one day. It's tough. You leave uh, to leave the one that's up there, and I is that the only one? Yeah, it's the only one. I've been to forty nine states except for North Dakota, and I still want to ask my dad why when we were on that family vacation and we're in South Dakota doing things, why did we not just just zip because up there's, there. There's nothing in North Dakota. No offense, Dakotans. You were sitting here encouraging you've people seen, to apply. You've seen, I know, I know. But you've seen that episode of the the West Wing when they talk about yes. the Dakotas. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so. I vote I vote for whoever can help me get to a an annual meeting when it's in North Dakota. All right. Well, yes. that'll that'll be good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, some seminary news, Amy. It's uh, the seminary shuffle. We got things going on, people going all over the place. So Mark Dever announced as a Southern faculty member this week at Convocation. Uh, but, you know, Mark's been teaching there for a, quite a while, though, right? Yes. I, re- I mean, teaching ecclesiology classes since I was there. So, you know, 20 years, he's invested in a lot of students there and had a lot of students come for weekenders at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And um, I think there have been opportunities or ways to get credits for that. So he has been investing in a number of seminary students from multiple schools, but a lot at, at Southern Seminary for a long time. This was installation into a, an endowed faculty position, yeah. the Duke's K. McCall, professor of pastoral leadership. And then also Rob, Rob Plummer was installed as the Colin and Evelyn Aikman professor of biblical studies at the same time. Yeah. And they also had a, a few faculty members sign the abstract of principles, the seminary's historical doctrinal foundation, including Ayman Ibrahim and Matt Hall, the new provost up there and senior vice president of academic administration. Also signing it was John M. Klassen, the Associate Professor of Global Studies. So big week at Southern this week, Amy. But also last week, they announced Todd Fisher was coming on uh, to be the Assistant Professor of Christian Preaching. Yes. So he's been a senior pastor for more than 25 years. As a former trustee at Southern Seminary, he will remain the senior pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Shawnee, Oklahoma, but will have an opportunity to teach and invest in students in Louisville. Yeah. And so he and Dever will both be staying in their pastoral roles, respectively, in Oklahoma City and Washington, D.C., but also be teaching at Southern uh, from time to time. So congratulations to them. Over to Midwestern, Amy, another uh, kind of uh, remote faculty addition. Stephen Rummage, the new pastor at Quail Springs Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, is going to join Jason Allen and the Midwestern faculty up in Kansas City as a professor of preaching and pastoral ministry. Yeah, he will also be senior preaching fellow for the Spurgeon Center and Library, and he will continue in his role as senior pastor of Quail Springs Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. I always feel like uh, those sentences are thrown there for 
the church members that are freaking yeah. out as their <laughs> pastor what? has been he announced. just got here it's okay it's okay he's still going to be uh, pastoring your church and it's important for uh, the training of people who are going to be going out in pastoral ministry to have active pastors it teaching them so these are great opportunities yeah. and certainly yeah. with technology the way it is and with travel being so much easier there there are better opportunities for these practitioners in the field to actually get to be in the classroom as well yeah and it's good that oklahoma city's driving distance i think to kansas city so right. he doesn't have to go through that airport right so it's always a positive yes. missing the airport in kansas city and then finally at southwestern uh david dockery Moving to Fort yeah, Worth. Yeah, that was a big announcement. Be, yeah, moving to Fort Worth, going to be a theologian in residence at the Carroll Center. Yes, as well as special consultant to the president. So I saw, and he was actually there. He was at convocation yeah, processing. Yeah, saw a picture saw of him and Katie McCoy. Yep, and which was cool because it was kind of this full circle uh, since she started her journey as a student at Union University when David Dockery was president, and then now she got to be in this processional with him. And so I was excited for her. I know that was meaningful. So that, that was really cool. I saw that. And uh, so congratulations to all of them. Been a really, really busy week at the seminaries. It's like, it's been crazy. I know you guys had JD on campus at uh, President, SBC President J.D. Greer. It was on yes. campus yes. at Southeastern this week. I uh, saw a lot of great social media content. Y'all really been cranking that out. So well done uh, over there. And we even sent some of it out. Uh, he was talking about the gospel above all theme and how we're doing that again. So we, we sent that out at, uh, for uh, SBC 2020, uh, whenever we get to Orlando next year, which again, 12,000 folks. We're not saying we're not selling for 10, Amy. That's right. That's right. I'm always, I, I, I've been going for 10 for so long that I'm just going to get excited and celebrate when we hit 10, but I'm with you. I'm shooting for 12. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be great. Cannot wait for Orlando next year. And that's uh, going to do it for our news this week and bring us to this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we are going to go to 1950 to a story that ran in Baptist Press on August 28th, and the headline was, 97-year-old missionary flies to foreign mission conference. And it's about uh, Dr. J.G. Chastain. He was 97 years old, missionary emeritus, and wanted to go. He went to the foreign mission conference at Ridgecrest. He lived near New Orleans, so he had to fly there. He said, I am not ready for a wheelchair yet. And I guess was offered one. Uh, he was reminded that the late President Roosevelt, so you got to remember this is in 1950. So this is right after uh, Roosevelt had been president. He was reminded that FDR used a wheelchair and was elected four times to the presidency. And he replied, well, when I decide to run for president, I will use one. Um, the editor of the Mississippi Baptist Record, where he lived, I think, in Poplarville, reported that he is the oldest person connected with Southern Baptist foreign missions, along with more than 100 other missionaries active and retired. He was invited by the SBC Foreign Mission Board to go to Ridgecrest to the surprise of all but himself. He accepted. Uh, so this kind of reminds me of M.O. Owens, who passed away earlier this year 
continuing to come to Southeastern Society meetings when he was like 100. So it was, it was kind of crazy. It said he was not sure he could survive a train or automobile trip from South Mississippi to Ridgecrest. So a plane trip was the only way to come, but he had never flown, had never traveled by air. Um, but having given most of his 97 years to missionary endeavor, he said, I'll try it. If the plane wrecks or I fail to survive the trip, you can know I am doing it for missions. Um, Dr. Chastain had gone to Mexico as a missionary in 1888 when he was 34, spent 30 years as a missionary in Mexico, then returned because of the Mexican Revolution of 1917. Then he was employed by the Home Mission Board to edit a Spanish-language Baptist paper in Cuba, and then became a missionary to uh, became a missionary, I guess, for the Home Mission Board in Tampa, Florida, and then retired at the age of seventy four. So, uh, but it sounds like he didn't really retire because he still had a heart for missions and was continuing to uh, go and speak and interact about that. And he uh, was planning it all this week in SBC history. So, great Very inspiration cool. of someone continuing on. Yeah, just a reminder that our call to Christian service and call to kingdom work doesn't end when our vocation stops. That's right. That's right. And this is a great example of it all the way back to 1950. Well, thanks for that, Amy. And that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is something that I got recommended by a friend. I haven't gotten it yet, but it's on my list now. And uh, this is where I jump in with some uh, fiction every now and then, things that I want to read for fun. And it is a historical novel of Eliza Hamilton. It's called My Dear Hamilton. Oh, I so, saw this. I remember seeing the, this was coming. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been out for a little while, but I uh, am, am eager to get it and maybe start on it. It'll be something fun for the fall. Yeah. All right. So that, that's kind of cool. All right. Well, that's neat. My resource of the week is also a book, but it's uh, it's it's not fiction about Alexander Hamilton's wife. It's it's by R. Kent Hughes. It's the Preaching the Word commentary series on Hebrews, an anchor for the soul uh, is the name of it. And I am teaching Hebrews in my Sunday school class right now, going through that, uh, you know, just going through the book. And this book is phenomenal. That's oh, awesome. Wow. It is just great. I mean, he just does such a great job. Our, I've had a chance to meet Ken Hughes a few years ago. He um, spoke and preached at a conference at my church in Alabama and um, read Disciplines of a Godly Man, read a couple of other books by him. Yep, but uh, I've read by first his time I'd wife. Really used, yeah, okay, yeah, the, the Barbara Hughes uh, Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Um, so the first time I've really used one of these commentaries by him, and I have it sitting on my shelf, and I saw it, and I was like, I'm teaching Hebrews. I need to crack this thing open. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's rich. That's so great. I, I highly recommend that. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I'm I'm just I'm enjoying it. I'm I, I tweeted it earlier this week that a good commentary and not only makes you really enjoy that in the author, but a, a really good commentary makes you enjoy the word more. Yes. More more exponentially more than you enjoy reading the author. Like I like Kent Hughes, but Kent Hughes is making me enjoy the word more in the Bible. So I, I just absolutely cannot recommend this high enough. Very cool. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Amy, September is going to be exciting. I've got a feeling. I'm excited about September and uh, hoping that the heat wave in North Carolina finally ends. Well, it's 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 ceased right now. And also, do uh, please 
folks pray for our friends down in Florida yes. and send relief. Uh, hurricane headed that way. So there'll be a lot of work going on, a lot of Southern Baptist response to that down in Florida and, and in the, the Caribbean. So uh, be in prayer for those that are, are going to be heading in there after that storm. I should make landfall this weekend. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Pray for your Southern Baptist support. Send relief as well. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you next week.